You're listening to an event from the U.S. Institute of Peace, part of the USIP Podcast Network. For more information about our work around the world, visit usip.org and check us out on social media. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending from where you're joining us today. My name is Bilqis Ahmadi. I'm a senior program officer with the Afghanistan team uh, with USIP. I would like to first thank our distinguished panelists for joining us today, taking time from their busy schedules. Um, we are excited uh, to have many people with us online, especially. I was just saying that nowadays that we have the option of both online and virtual and in-person. Um, many people choose to uh, join us online, which is absolutely fine. Uh, for those watching online, uh, you can submit a question using the chat box function located just below the video player on the USIP uh, website or event page. We ask that you please include your name and uh, specify from where you're joining us. And uh, for our in-person guests, uh, I will call on you during the Q&A session and we will have mics on both sides of the room. Uh, you can also engage with us and with each other on Twitter throughout the event using today's hashtag, which is uh, hashtag Afghan women. Today's event is part of a series highlighting themes from Imagine, Reflection on Peace, a multimedia exhibit from USIP and the Seven Foundation that explores the challenges of peace building to an immersive look at societies that suffered and survived violent conflicts. For those with us today in person, we hope you will take time um, after this discussion to visit the exhibit, which is just downstairs. As many of you know, USIP was founded by the US Congress over 35 years ago as an independent nonpartisan national institute with the goal of preventing, mitigating, and resolving violent conflict. USIP has actively engaged in Afghanistan since 2002, focusing on peace building, conflict resolution, uh, research, training, and supporting civil society, and dialogue to reduce um, uh, drivers of conflict. In recent years, one of USIP's biggest priorities was supporting Afghan women leaders and experts involved in the peace process, as well as local level peace builders and civil society activists. While the conditions have fundamentally changed in Afghanistan since the fall of Kabul, supporting Afghan women during these challenging times remains our core priority. It has been 10 months since the Taliban took control and the last US forces left Afghanistan. The images and testimonies from the August evacuation will live on forever. The news of Taliban stripping away the most basic rights of Afghan women and girls and vulnerable Afghans are a painful reminder of the unsuccessful efforts to achieve durable peace and stability in Afghanistan. And once again, Afghan women and girls are left with the consequences of this failure. Our incredible panelists today are with us 
knowing these challenges and the heartbreak that comes with them. Mujgan and Palwasha were evacuated and resettled in the U.S. last fall. And Lema was involved in the evacuation of family, colleagues, and friends. We are extremely grateful that you join us today. Um, I will ask a series of questions before turning to the audience. But first, let me introduce our distinguished panelists. In the middle is Mujgan Sadat. Mujgan is a novelist, screenwriter, an artist, and poet. She has written and published over 100 poems and articles on different social and cultural uh, topics, including women's rights. Prior to the fall of the country, Mujgan was working as a civil servant. She has a bachelor's degree in economics and a second degree in creative arts. Lema Halima Ahmad is a PhD candidate in the fields of international security and human security at the Fletcher School of Tufts University. Lema's research focuses on youth and their vulnerabilities to extreme violence. She holds a master's degree in international security from the Fletcher School and an undergraduate degree in women and gender studies from Bucknell University. Palwasha Hassan, at the far end, is senior fellow at the Institute for Women, Peace, and Security at Georgetown University. She previously served as a fellow at USIP. Ms. Hassan is a dedicated women's rights and peace activist with a special focus on girls' education. Palwasha has advocated for increasing the political quota for women in the Afghan constitution. She has a master's degree in post-war recovery from the University of York in the UK. And with that, I will turn to the first question. Uh, the month of June is the Refugee Awareness Month. Um, it's the month that we acknowledge the hardship millions of refugees go through in search for safety, but it's also a reminder and acknowledgement that the courage, resilience, and perseverance of refugees must not be ignored. Can you start by telling us a bit about your journey uh, to the US and the challenges you face? This will be a specific question to you, Palwasha and Mishgan, but let me ask the first question of Lema. Lema Jan, I know you were involved in the evacuation of many close family and friends. Um, although I imagine there are many more who remain in Afghanistan um, in need of uh, safety. As someone already based in the US, can you tell us a bit about your experience assisting those uh, trying to leave Afghanistan and get resettled in other countries? Your perspectives on how the US can continue to support resettled Afghan refugees and those still trying to leave Afghanistan. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ahmadi. And good morning, everyone. And thank you so much for being here. Although during the pandemic, even now, we are used to attend these programs and our PJs from our computers. But thank you so much for being here this morning. Um, um, 
Dr. Ahmadi, this question, um, if when I speak for entire day, is like something like every one of us should write a book how it was. But I could only say that um, the few days of uh, August 2021 was a really good example of how Afghanistan development for the last 20 years was managed. Um, it will be an overstatement, but I think I will still say it. It was um, uh, the most uh, mismanaged crisis that human ministry might have seen. Um, and the one thing that I could uh, name like a common thing was the agency that Afghans um, overall did not have overall uh, in the entire process, the one that were getting evacuated, the one who were involved like myself as a volunteers and anyone Afghans, we never knew what was happening with us. Um, although I, we believe there was an intention of help, but in that help, we did not have any say how that help should be achieved. Um, I remember that after a few hours, like 70 hours, my wrist stopped uh, working because I was typing millions and millions of forms, duplication, and here even in the, in the US, um, many departments, they were not working together. There were the same duplications happening, and, and um, I believe like in so many ways that I volunteered, there were few people that I never knew they were still here in the US. They had never visited Afghanistan in their mid-20s or early-20s, and they were managing almost the entire operation of the, this crisis. Some of them had never been in Afghanistan, but they were leading Afghans to the airport from different gates. So for me, um, the biggest thing I feel whenever I'm not having agency over things, I felt Afghans till day, wherever in the world we are refugee, I, I believe um, we never knew what is happening to us. And we don't know what is happening, uh, even the people that have arrived here. Here in the US, for example, um, I have traveled during this last few months to some other European countries also for work. Uh, were there at least the Afghans that they have arrived, they have a status. They know what they, they, they stand in, uh, in those countries, but here in the US, they are poorly, they don't know what will happen to them. Uh, those that are still in, in refugee camps, wherever in the world, they don't know when they will be brought in here. So regardless of what happened in August, what we can do now, we have to realize that all those Afghans are human beings and, and they still have the same human rights that any human beings should have uh, according to the United Charter. So I believe agency should be given. We should know what is happening, to, going to happen to Afghans. I could only say that. Thank you. Thank you. You touched on the lack of coordination and chaos uh, during evacuation. Um, uh, having been involved and engaged in the evacuation myself, I think it's also important, in addition to how things went wrong, also to point uh, the generosity and hospitality of Americans, young, old, middle-aged, they all came together uh, to welcome Afghan refugees. Thank you for your uh, remarks. Mushkan. I know you documented what you witnessed before Kabul fell and during the evacuation as well. Can you tell us a bit about what you experienced and saw uh, during the evacuation in those difficult and unprecedented situations? Thank you, Ms. Ahmadi, for inviting me to today's event. 
and to this beautiful building. It is an honor to be here. The events of last summer is vivid in my memories as if it was last week. I have tried to forego those days, but there is no escape from memories. Within the first few days of August last year, one province after another had began falling to the Taliban. My sex seasons keep telling me that the dark era of the Taliban will return. But I was conflicted as the Afghan government, the international community, and the U.S. Special Envoy Zalmay Khalilzad keep saying that Afghanistan will not fall to the Taliban and that the Americans had signed an agreement with the Taliban not take power by force. But everything changed on August 15. I had taken the day off to go shopping with my family. Before arriving at the shopping center, I saw men who I believed were Taliban. They did not look like Kabulis. I convinced myself it was just my imagination. But then, as we got closer to the shopping center, my nightmare became a reality. It was indeed the Taliban, people running in every direction. Some were shouting, the Taliban are here, rang the way. Taliban به داخل شهر آمدن بگریزید. I was in taxi with my sister and sister-in-law. I was in shock. The first time the Taliban took control of country, I was forced to wear those clothes and became a madam for my sister. The Taliban took my childhood away from me. My phone started ringing. It was my mother telling me to get home fast. When the taxi driver said our pale face, he tried to comfort us and told us that he would take us where we wanted to go. He answered. His phone rang and he answered on a speaker and the person on the other heartily told the driver to take home quickly as the Taliban were here. It was then he informed us that he was worried about we had get out of his car. The next day I received a call from a person I did not before assuring me that I and my immediate family members are on a list for evacuation. On August 18, my family and I made decision to leave for the next two weeks. We spent hours and days going back and forth towards the airport. A few times we got to close the gate, but were always pushed back and Hannibal to enter the airport. 
the Taliban were firing guns, but so were the American tear gas was realized on people trying to flee the country. I especially feared for my mother held who far from Hesma. We stayed there lost and crowed with three dead in form of us. Children were crying. Old people were fainting. There was fear in everyone. Highs. We had to go back home and restart to a journey the next day. At the time, the Taliban had imposed night curfew in the city. The Taliban imposed night the city, yet we had no choice to break the curfew or go to the airport and return home when unsuccessfully. I submit as if all doors were shut and face I, I will save more details for a book that I hope to publish one day, my book too. Thank you. Thank you, Mishkan. Thank you. Thank you for reminding us of those haunted images that we all have in our image from the evacuation of August. Uh, you talked about your sixth sense, how you knew something was going to happen, but then you talked about all the assurances given by the international community and by the Afghan government officials that Kabul will not, will not fall. Um, you also talked about how on August 15, your nightmare became a reality. And I'm sure that's the reality for many Afghans there and for us watching um, from afar. Um, I would like to ask you later on if you could tell us about your experience during the first time the Taliban took control and you were forced to wear boys' clothes in order to become a mahram to your sisters. I can't even... I can't even imagine what you and other girls went through. And I think it was very powerful when you said, the Taliban took my childhood away from me. Um, you said you're going to publish your book. Um, I would like to be the first reader of your book, and I'm sure many others would like to read your book. So please do write and... Um, we, we want to hear from you. Thank you. Uh, Palwasha, you and your family have been forced to leave Afghanistan twice, at least twice. The first time as a child during the Soviet invasion and last year as an adult. You have dedicated most of your life to educating girls. Um, I can't even imagine what you're going to having worked on girls' education all of your life and to see that girls are not allowed to go to school. What was it like for you to relive the situation, becoming a refugee and leaving the country 
after everything you and other women leaders and civil society actors have done um, in the past 20 years? What was it like? Thank you, Belkis. Um, I think um, the story of being refugee and settlement and migration is all stories of pain and too much emotions. I really don't want to go to the story in detail because that makes me very emotional and then I don't like myself being through that sort of emotions. But I would say I lived even three times because when my first my family migrated to Pakistan, um, I was at my early teens and of course the decision was taken by my father and mother and the rest of the family and they supported me and my sisters and brothers to go and continue education. That is a different uh, story and it wasn't easy because we were totally entering to a new era of radicalism, extremism, where um, a new code of dressing and everything was introduced and enforced actually um, in refugee environment as well. Um, and to many spaces were taken away from women even then and to fraud your way and to find yourself back um, to grow in that environment um, it was a bitter experience even then uh, but then in 2002 when I came back to Afghanistan it was a big hopes and aspiration, um, and that was the time, the first time I decided to come with a job inside Afghanistan. And um, I think that was my best experience, but not an easy one. I was starting as a first um, uh, woman head of an international organization, which was giving grants to women, and uh, I was um, uh, given this very important job um, to support, uh, help women grow in a new environment of uh, aspiration and starting their groups and all that. But the environment was not ready for it. Um, the logistics was not like that. We didn't have even a bank inside Afghanistan. Everything was demolished. And I was go each time to Pakistan from my personal account. I will bring money. And it was a dangerous experience exercise, but I was taking too much um, uh, empowerment and I don't know, I, I was taking a lot of strength and uh, happiness because I, I was in charge of something important for helping other women and then traveling inside Afghanistan and all that. Um, and my third journey, uh, journey unfortunately, um, is this one um, that we were forced in a situation until the last moment we hoped the situation will not be as bad as it turned out to be. That's why I was still sitting in my office in Kabul when my colleagues came to me and said, the Taliban are in Dashtibarchi and my office was in Kartichar. So, and um, the young women who are working with me, they came with tears in their eyes and suddenly, I, we were caught by surprise, although we were ready for the situation and, uh, and even in that day we were planning uh, how we work under the difficult circumstances 
what are the things, some of the things that we should take home because um, NBB the operation requires that way. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, 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 the second day, my office and my home both was um, Taliban came and searched my office and put everything upside down. And uh, when they reached my home, and uh, I think that was a time that I thought like it will be difficult, especially my first conversation with this young warrior who entered my home and they told me like, uh, we are not speaking to women. And suddenly that was a big blow and these, these young men, some of them were half of my age. Um, uh, and all my life I work for young people and um, uh, several young men like him uh, were trained in the schools that I was running. Um, benefited from the programs that we were in today some somebody like that was telling me i'm not even worth speaking to them and i think that was a big thing and um, especially children in my family they were so terrified by that entrance of them with guns and the type of wearing and all that they had the next day i had to leave the home and then waited i think the to focus back on the positive i think the positive side was bilqis your involvement, Huria's involvement, Lebanjani involvement, all this a generation of Afghan women who migrated before us, uh, they, they were still so familiar with our situation. All of them went, some of them had the worst memories uh, in the war and the uh, um, insurgency which happened in Afghanistan. And they were helping us. I think that was very much important. And then. Uh, uh, it was important, like we also had our U.S. allies uh, um, uh, uh, from a human rights background, from women's rights background, from those women with whom we worked for years. They were not the one who ignored us or isolated us. Um, at the last moment, even they were not in charge, but they used every possibility to help us evacuate. And I think I really um, uh, feel uh, proud of uh, the way they work together and helped us all um, to make it uh, alive with my family or several of the families who were evacuated in that process. That was not easy. We went through uh, a lot of troublesome <laughs> and each, um, um, I, I, I think, Others, <laughs> probably you heard the story. I don't want to go there because that makes me emotional, but we are here and that's important. Um, but what is also important that we have to take a lesson learned from this, women were always giving warning of the situation, the way the uh, US-led peace process uh, uh, was not um, in the track to give the outcome that protect uh, um, our uh, uh, our gains, uh, most of all our basic rights. We were so worried even then. So it was not. It is not a surprise today that girls are not allowed to go to school. It's not surprise. This morning, I wake up in a very um, disturbing messages from. Um, some of the women from the Afghan ministries who were 
receiving phone calls from the authorities that they are told, send somebody a mail from your family to get your job, to do your job instead of you. I think that shows that the current authority don't know what skill means. Like a woman is trained all her life, she know how to run her office. And her husband may be a shopkeeper or I don't know, carpenter, which is important job. But can he do the job in Ministry of Finance, for instance, as an accountant? That is, that, that could be the most ridiculous thing. And I think th this is a lack of education for all those insurgents who spent years and years just doing one thing, and that was insurgencies. And uh, they are not ready uh, to, in, uh, to understand how um, a government function even runs. Uh, what is the role of, you know, like don't take women as a woman. They, they're also important um, agencies for getting the scraps back in this country. And that is the biggest trend of Afghan women who have been fallen and risen back from many, many times. And they know how to put themselves together. I think my biggest aspiration today is the way the women groups are trying to reemerge and uh, uh, be part of the change, not to just accept the reality that they are stopped from working, they are stripped from every right that they have, but they are thinking how to navigate around all difficult circumstances and find their ways back and uh, forge a way for peace and stability where they are counted as equal human, human beings. Thank you. Thank you, Palwasha. And I apologize for putting you on the spot. I know the stories um, are painful. I also came here as a refugee, so I can totally understand um, what you and millions of other refugees have gone through. Um, the, you talked about how it was unbelievable. You couldn't believe that Afghanistan will fall, and also having gained so much, having worked so hard for progress in Afghanistan, it was unbelievable to you and many others that it will all be lost. But I would like to come back later to that and see, is there still hope? You did talk about women emerging and re-emerging and not accepting um, the stripping of their rights away as a way of life. That's not how life continues to be in Afghanistan and will not. Um, but something that really struck me hard is that how when the Taliban started searching your office and your house and a young, probably half your age, told you that you are not even worth speaking to and they didn't want to speak to women. That's painful. Um, I have been talking to my friends a lot about the resiliency of Afghan women. And to my colleagues and those friends that you hear me saying that over and over, this is what I mean by the resiliency, courage of Afghan women. It's unmatchable. So thank you so much for sharing um, those stories as hard as it must be. Uh, in 
these days, uh, I also would like to take a minute or a few seconds and offer my condolences to, um, to those Afghans who have been affected by the earthquake of last week. Mm -hmm. As we know, more than 1,000 people have been killed and several thousand have been injured in the earthquake of last week in Khost and Paktika provinces. Um, but moving forward, uh, what more should the U.S. and the international community do to protect women in Afghanistan? We know that Afghan women are trying their best to navigate the system and to continue working for the younger generation and for their families and to live their lives. But what can the U.S. do and what can the international community do to support those Afghan women who are still in Afghanistan and also those such as yourself, leaders who have left Afghanistan and who can contribute to um, building peace in Afghanistan and elsewhere. Paul Basha, I want to start with you. Uh, you have also worked as a um, peace builder. You have supported hundreds of women and girls at a provincial level uh, to be engaged in peace building at community level. Given the challenges and the inherent risks, how can the US and the international community safely engage with women and civil society actors uh, for the promotion and protection of uh, women's rights and girls' rights, but also um, for the country's prosperity? Absolutely. I think, um, as I said, a woman has been always um, uh, important partners in the uh, reconstruction process uh, with the world. Um, uh, they were the one who uh, positively engaged and made best of the situation. I don't think many women hold the same um, baggage of corruption and others which maybe existed in Afghanistan. Um, especially women in civil society, they, they strive very hard and they, they made those changes which are important. Today, a tribal man are making jirga for girls' education and calling on Taliban, asking for girls to study. I don't think these changes just came overnight. Or the mullahs even are making uh, speeches in favor of girls' education. That means that the work that women have done, or civil society in Afghanistan has done, that. That, that changes, which were not bridges or maybe buildings, those were uh, social changes. Those people are still inside Afghanistan, and they need it to be supported. I think uh, we need to support um, local groups, especially women uh, groups, um, uh, that they be able. They know how to navigate around the situation. They know how to work on that. Um, for instance, in the current uh, situation of the earthquake, uh, AWIC is one of the organizations which is working in the southeast. And a lot, I saw a few reports of international agencies writing about we should have women going to the field and all that. But did you support the women to go for that rapid assessment? Because under this condition, for instance, women are obliged to have a mahram or somebody, a male companion. So you have to pay that male to go with this woman. Otherwise, she's not allowed to go to field. And if you're not doing that, that's not enough just to say that women should do this. 
So I think uh, uh, gender-sensitive programming is very much important, even in the situation of emergency. Try to make best of the uh, use of those organizations which already exist on the ground. Those that experience of women in CDCs are, are not that diminished. You are still there. You just have to tap on those and work with those women. Um, uh, all those uh, formal and informal institutions uh, through which women were active in Afghanistan, they, are, they haven't died, uh, they, except you have to give them, we need a serum, and that serum is support, resources, encouragement. And I think you, you, there is possibility of working with those Afghan women leaders who are now it's outside of Afghanistan to, to be bridges of connecting those women inside Afghanistan, we have to transfer back a lot of our learning to our sisters on the ground. But we need that support to make this possible. We have to uh, start with maybe special grants and funding, but also uh, maybe uh, learning um, um, uh, or uh, transferring of lessons from one generation of Afghan women to other. And uh, that should exist, because we cannot change what happened in Afghanistan, but definitely we can change what is going to happen. And uh, by that, we have to give uh, virtue to the, the strength that women still holds, the resilience that women still holds to help and support that. Thank you. Thank you for reminding us to consider uh, the special needs of women and girls during um, crisis such as the one that's happening now because of the earthquake, but overall the humanitarian crisis, Absolutely. the needs, concerns, and contribution of women cannot be ignored. Uh, Mushgan, let me turn to you. As a young child in the 90s, the first time the Taliban took control of the country, you said that you were forced to wear boys' clothes. Um, what should the U.S. government and donor community know about the experience that you went through and millions of other young girls went through and are going through now? Um, what would be your advice in the U.S. government? Thank you. Right now, I'm safe and I'm in U.S. Having spent three months in military base at Qatar, Germany, and the U.S. Now I have a roof over my head, my family's ear, and I do not have to fear for my family. But the miseries of Afghans inside Afghanistan are haunting me. I feel guilty that I have left them behind. I feel guilty that I could not do anything save them to educate for girls' schools to respond to protest and stand with them. That is what is keeping me night after night my message to generous American people and authorities, Afghan women are represented in their homes, deprived of basic human rights, 
such as education, ability to work, to live, and dignified life. For 10 months, the proof women have protest opening that someone in the world, the UN, the powerful countries of the world, but here dear cries for help and hold Taliban accountable for the crimes they have and continue to come against Afghanistan. I remember 2001 when the U.S. removed the Taliban from power and promised the Afghan people branch from tyranny and democracy. The Taliban in power today are more brutal and cruel the Taliban that ruled Afghanistan for 1996. 2001, where is the world? I thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, Mushkan. Uh, you reminded us that you're safe, but you feel guilty for being unable to do something for the girls and women in Afghanistan. And your message to the international community and the U.S. is to hear the cries of Afghan girls and women for help and also to take um, Taliban accountable for their actions. Thank you. Lema, today of all days is very emotional for you. And uh, I want to acknowledge uh, your mom who is in the audience, Ms. Halima. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, two years ago, today, you lost your sister. Um, that pain has stayed with you. And I read a letter that you wrote to your sister, Natasha, last night. Um, I understand it must be very difficult for you and your family and Omaid to be here. And I want to thank you for making time uh, to be with us. Um, what is the perspective for national reconciliation from your perspective, for the, from the perspective of someone who has lost a loved one, but is also hopeful for a better future for millions of other Afghans? Um, yeah. Um Palvashu John before said, like, we are hopeful. I think we don't have a, any choice but to be hopeful. But hopeful not only work until it's not um, instrumentalized. We have to work for that. And coming back to um, uh, your question, I think um, peace, transitional justice, or um, any kind of... Um, um, process in Afghan society uh, need an equal sides on whatever warring sides are. Um, what is happening right now, Taliban for last 20 years um, were killing ordinary Afghans, including my sister. Um, and transition would have been possible if they were still the terrorist group Taliban. But now they have become a state. Um, the world that we are living in 
um, state come first and the people? How can uh, people um, negotiate with the state? Because the punishing power, the law enforcement is the state. Um, so if even I go there and even today I shout out for my sister rights, what happened to her or thousands like her, who is the body that will punish uh, or who is the body that will make a platform where we will negotiate? It would have been possible if Taliban would have remained Taliban and the Afghan society, whoever have lost the people, they would have sat with them and negotiation or uh, transitional justice or any kind of process that would have been taken. Now it is impossible and it is not even impossible with, with Afghanistan, within Afghanistan, but international platform. Are we ready to do um, criminal justice? What war crimes happen in Afghanistan for last 20 years? Is US ready, is NATO ready to face all these consequences? So if we, the world platform are not ready to talk about these issues, how are Taliban gonna sit and talk to Lema about their sister? about her sister or many like hers. So for me, how we start with the process, the framework is not correct here. And coming back to Afghan society, I believe in Afghanistan, our issue is not only with the Taliban. I think our society need, needed time, and I think we, we started and we began doing that. I remember in, in, in late 2020, I attended a conference of youth in Afghanistan. I was shocked that there were youth from Afghanistan, from Bamiyan, that they had never been to Kandahar or Helmand over their lifetime. And once they were there, they were just shocked that it's a human place. Similarly, young people from Helmand were never been to Mazar or Herat before. So these are something that we would have done it if we were allowed time, more time, that we have to heal over, um, uh, over like the societal level, that we have so many gravings that we have to work on. Um, I was really hurt, and I'm still hurting just to see after August how the ethnic issues are, are gone even worse in Afghanistan. I was shocked to, to my guts that I saw some of, um, some of our other ethnicities were saying, like in Khos and Pakteka, most people that are dead, they were going to be Taliban or some kind of radicals. So for me, it was like, now we don't see each other as a human being. So here neither US or other countries were involved. We need healing from inside. And um, talking to the Taliban would be possible if there is a third um, kind of governor, governing kind of source where we'll sit it between and then the transition or the transitional justice will happen between the people and them. Otherwise, I think hoping that they will come to the table with the normal public is, I think, optimistic long, yeah a long shot yeah thank you um, you said the perpetrator is the state now and the state is the perpetrator and the violator of human rights uh, you called for uh, transitional justice and for healing at individual level as well as societal level and uh, reminded us you reminded us again about the ethnic tension in Afghanistan um, the hate speech that you just referred to is uh, very troubling that we are all see on social media these days. And uh, 
I think the bottom line is that there is need for peace process. The peace process that failed last year needs to restart because that will lay the foundation and the framework for the healing that Afghans need at individual and at societal level. We are at the time now, so um, I'm, I'm going to save one other question that I had for later. Let me see. We have a question uh, online, and that's from uh, Jeremy saying, can the, can, a, can the panel speak about changes to access to healthcare, especially for women and children, after August uh, of last year? Any of you can, if you want to say something. I want to uh, uh, just speak about the recent uh, incident uh, of the earthquake, and I heard um, public uh, uh, interviewed, uh, and they were calling for uh, female doctors. Um, uh, that there are no doctors for women, and that seems like uh, the emergency teams are mostly male doctors, and perhaps they are not allowed to see the women. And uh, that's how uh, they are asking for female doctors. While in the earthquake, uh, the majority of the victims were children and women. Mm -hmm. and so that, that shows like, how the policy can have very harsh implication on the real situation that people are facing. Um, on the other hand, you see many of uh, women and men uh, including doctors and others who left the country. And in already in Afghanistan, we didn't have enough of medical support. So that is taking the situation um, drastically uh, uh, inefficient to respond to the needs, uh, whether it's humanitarian and general health situation. Uh, there has been a good progress. I think one of the things we can say of the last uh, two decades of international engagement, for instance, maternal mortality rate has decreased a huge level. Um, uh, but that system is all disturbed now. If you have um, uh, your male family members coming and sitting instead of um, uh, women who have been efficiently working in this, uh, I don't think you can expect anything. So. Um, as much as I know, uh, we are in a dire situation. Maybe Lima John want to add? Just a little bit to add on um, the last point you said. Like you. A lot of um, medical professionals have left. And also not to forget, Afghanistan has been now locked towards the world. Like there is no visas. Annually, um, Afghans were going to India and Pakistan more than 30,000 just for health care. But now they are not allowed to go anywhere. So a lot of resources have been um, drowned from the country. And a lot of um, medical resources, like the private, they have collapsed because the banking system doesn't work. And they, they, don't have, they don't know how to operate their system. At least I know two of the professionals that they have closed their private hospital in Kabul only. So of course, that's the, the situation is not as before. Um. The fact that there are no female doctors or very few female doctors in the earthquakes struck provinces 
um, that's a cause for huge uh, concern. Um, I hope that's also a wake-up call to the Taliban that in a society there is a need for women to be involved and active in all sectors in the society, including health. If they don't let girls go to school, um, how are they going to become doctors? And how are they going to treat women and girls and others in a situation that, uh, for now, Paktika and Khost are faced with? Um, I really hope it's a wake-up call for them. And Palwasha, you're right, the health system, even prior to Taliban taking control, was a weak system. Um, we also have Mike uh, here, Alex. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, let's take one question from the audience, and then we'll go back to online. Uh, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Halima. Um, I'm a public health researcher by training, so my question, and I have a uh, question that has two parts. So first of all, thank you so much for sharing your experiences and you know, really admire your bravery and your courage. Um, my question, um, number one is, can you give your perspectives on the importance of not just lived experience as um, Afghan women, but also all the technical expertise that you bring in and how the US and the international community, how can they engage experts and, and people like you more in um, you know, thinking about providing resources and helping Afghan women moving forward, hopefully? Um, and then, sorry, I'll just quickly ask my second question. Now that Afghan um, refugees are here in the US, what do you see, what could individuals and communities do to really welcome them better here? You talked about you know, them not knowing, most of them not knowing their statuses. So if you could speak to that as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Any of you? Um, I would um, yes. just start with your first question about the expertise. Um, I always have a problem with the term um, Afghan woman because for the last 20 years, I think that term has put us in a box where um, we are neither complete human beings or equal women with women around the world because that box has some kind of characteristics with it, like women, victimhoods, violence, and stuff. So usually, wherever a platform comes, um, all of us are expected to be women experts. <laughs> That's one thing in common. What we envision for our countries or for our careers, that comes second. So usually we don't get a chance to speak as a, a subject area expert, but in a, a woman expert. So that is where um, I personally feel that we are usually remembered at platforms here where there is something about Afghan women. And, but Afghan women, I think I remember from the start of of um, 2020, um, I, I was not in any platform where Afghan women were not predicting everything that happened. That they knew, they wanted to express what is gonna happen, what are the political solutions. They were saying everything, but everybody was just interested to see what's gonna happen to Afghan women next. They have been telling you what's gonna happen, but they have been telling you what's gonna happen to the economy, what's ha gonna happen to the education system and everything. 
So I think um, what the international community can do is break that box for Afghan women and consider them Afghans. They consider them the population of the country where they have a say about their country to, um, to, um, to what, how, how the future should be, how the ch it should be led, because our lives are uh, uh, affected as Afghans, not as Afghan women only. We have families that are uh, affected by them. Our future are affected by them. So, yeah, I would, I would just say that we need to be like, looked at as a, as a subject expert rather than just women experts. Thank you. I want to speak regarding Afghanistan Adjustment Act. Uh, that was an important uh, document or uh, maybe legal uh, uh, bill that could have changed the situation of thousands of Afghans who recently came to U.S. We are kind of like living in a limbo here legally. Uh, we have a parallel visa. Our SIV status are unknown uh, for some who has it. Uh, it is stuck somewhere. We don't know what's going on with that. For n uh, many others who are not in SIV, they came through a humanitarian parole. They need also a status uh, to consider this country, and I think they can contribute a lot. They work under one of the most difficult circumstances in Afghanistan, I think they can contribute to any other society where they are embraced with uh, uh, open arm. Uh, we know that American society, uh, our neighbors, so many people has welcomed us, but we want the same thing from the authorities or from the Congress, maybe Senate, to, uh, to, uh, to support the bill. Uh, for the status that Afghans deserve. We, we worked along uh, aside with you for years inside Afghanistan. Uh, uh, as uh, Le said, there is a lot of expertise in this country. Uh, in this country, uh, these refugees are bringing in. Um, uh, and it is not confined, this experience cannot be confined only to the situation of Afghanistan. I think simply looking to the emergency evacuation, many Afghans was able or capable to handle it in much easier and different way uh, where the loss of money, resources, and also the human misery which happened would have been half of what happened. Mm -hmm. So there are capacity how to deal with emergency, help to them to uh, be part of the society so that they can contribute uh, for anything no less than any other Americans in this country, uh, or maybe no less than any other human being, or maybe refugees from other countries like Ukraine and others, who are bringing, uh, also coming from a very harsh and difficult experience. But I think nobody has the experience of 40 years of conflict, uh, extremism, uh, and uh, poverty, so many other difficulties uh, under which we have survived, we have built our skills, and we try to uh, move forward in our life. And we can contribute to this society as we did in our own society in Afghanistan. Thank you. We're going to take one more question. Thank you, Pavasha. Thank you. My name is Gacy It's good to see you, Pavasha John, and everybody. Um, it's good to see you too, Um I lived in the United States for eight and a half years, and I returned back to Afghanistan 
and I became a refugee again because I was evacuated. I traveled to Poland, to France, I traveled to Florida, to Sacramento, to Canada, to Kansas. I collected more than 200 stories of Afghans who were evacuated from Afghanistan. I think I do have an issue with this, that people are saying that we shouldn't talk about what we went through. I think that's the problem when it starts. I talked to the young generation, I talked to a soldier, I talked to, I have a variety of stories and I think I'm full of stories. And there are so much to share and there is nothing wrong with it. In the United States, we are lacking in terms of providing support to the mental health issues and what Afghan women are going through in, this, in these communities. I talked to the IRC, I talked to Lutheran, and we are not giving enough services for people to heal and take a step back. Because we are pushing Afghans in the United States to go to work right, three months right after they arrived in the United States. And that is not an integration process a refugee integration process in other countries such as the United States. So my question is, from those people who are Afghanistan, we are from Afghanistan, what should be a mechanism, Limajon, from your point of view, to connect the Afghan diasporas, to know their issues, and then go advocate for some sort of solutions? Because right now we are giving, we are giving them food stamps, we are giving them some I don't know, send their children to school, but we don't support them and their, what they went through. For instance, there is a huge masculinity crisis in Afghan men right now. That masculinity crisis, what happens if their w wives will just go work and have some sort of income and then that masculinity crisis will create violence within the families, right? What, what should we do about, if this is like a slow changes that we're expecting, and what should we do? How should we, as Afghans, how should we connect these diasporas together to know their issues and then come to the authorities and ask them for help uh, for at least, I don't know, for the next two years or three years or until they integrate the society? Thanks. Thank you so much. Uh, very important question or questions. And also thank you for sharing your observation from uh, meeting with Afghan refugees. The issue of mental health is um, requires um, an event of its own. Uh, it's such an important issue. Uh, psychosocial counseling is much needed for better and proper integration of Afghans in the American society. And uh, the masculinity crisis, it's not an Afghan issue, it's an issue that um, many <laughs> of us have observed and seen, uh, which uh, requires uh, specific attention, uh, especially for those Afghans who have come here, and uh, they bring with them the baggage uh, from Afghanistan, and that is men's superiority over women, and the fact that the belief that women must always be controlled and uh, guided by men. Uh, we are uh, out of time, but if you can just take like one minute and tell us what your response to that, those very important questions. I think you and I, we have to talk in person, person too. But I think I, what I would say that with Afghanistan, as Palwesha Jan said, a lot of local organization, head of organization have came, came here. And there are still like an Afghan community diaspora that they have organization. I believe they should be given the leadership of how the integration process should happen. 
Lutheran means well, but they have been doing it what is on the paper. That doesn't work with Afghan society. So my recommendation will be to give a lead to the local organization, like Afghan-led local organizations. Thank you. Uh, Mushkanjan, do you want to say something? Uh, feel free to speak in if you want. بیشتر بیشتر از دوستت نفر از دخترهایی که به افغانستان لنگ هستم و میفهمم که اونا حق تحصیل ندارن حق ازیر ندارن که کار کنن و نه تنها زنا بلکه مردم هم قسمن مردم کار نمیتونن بکنن وضعیت خیلی یعنی وضعیت بعدی اونجا ما میتونیم که از دو بود نگاه کنیم یکی افغانایی که اینجا آمدن میتونیم کسایی که از قبل اینجا آمدن امرایشان زیاد هم کاری کنن بختر که کلگی وقتی که اینجا آمدن با یک صدمه روحی آمدن بسیار روزای سخت ارتیر کردن و همچنان کسایی که اونجا هستن توجه بیشتر برای افغانایی داشته باشن که به افغانستان ماندن تشکر uh, navigating a transportation system is a challenge here. And just getting a few months of support from this settlement agency is not integration, as our friend said. And she has also talked about how difficult it was in Afghanistan when she was um, at the first era of Taliban. So she feels what is still happening there. And the Afghans that are there, they should still be constantly thinking about them and finding ways how we can support them. And also support us, each other here. The, the ones that are more used to the system here, we should be supporting each other. Thank you. Thank you so much. What was the last word? I think um, the last word is like consult Afghan women uh, on their uh, situation here. They know what they are facing and they can share like how they could be helped. But also consult them on how things for uh, thousands of other women, millions of other women who are inside Afghanistan, how they could be helped. Uh, there is a lot of knowledge that, that need to be uh, shifted or transferred uh, through these programs or any sort of engagement, whether it's political or developmental or humanitarian. I think the engagement of Afghan diaspora is very much important. Uh, or maybe recently exiled people uh, the most. Thank you. Thank you so much. You have uh, given us a lot to uh, think about. Um, um, 
I, I hope that our USG colleagues who are listening uh, or have joined us online can also uh, note some of the very important recommendations that, that we offer that you have presented. Um, important to note that what you said, talk to us, to women, and not only about us. With that, um, I would like to conclude our event today and would like to thank our panel for the very informative discussion. Thank you so much uh, for sharing uh, your stories and also your wisdom about uh, including women, um, recognizing their agency and including them in decisions, not only as beneficiaries. For those of you here in person and also our distinguished panelists, uh, please um, to the uh, Imagine uh, exhibition that's downstairs. Um, it's not only about Afghanistan, about other con conflict uh, countries who have come out of conflict. Thank you so much for joining us in person and online and uh, would like to have this conversation another time as well because you have given us a lot to think. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this event. If you'd like to listen to more events or explore our other podcasts, visit usip.org forward slash podcasts.